98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Cardinals GM Steve Kime. Kime time. With Burns and Gambo. Presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford. Welcome back. It's the Burns and Gambo show here on 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. And as we do every single Friday at 3 o'clock, it's our opportunity to talk with the general manager of the Arizona Cardinals, Steve Kime, who joins us here on the Burns and Gambo show. Steve, good afternoon. Thanks for coming on. We appreciate it as always. Good afternoon, man. Always good to be on. Well, I'm going to just start off by this. I mean, the difference, you saw the difference with the kicker last week. They missed the field goal. You guys win the football game. You've got a kicker who's just legendary. More 50-yard field goals than anybody in in the history of the league, and he nailed a big one for you that probably would have been good from 70. Take me back to the decision to move on from your previous kicker in Zane Gonzalez and go with Matt Prater. Well, I think it starts with... um you know, identify them, you know, where some of the issues were last year. And, and Zane obviously has a lot of leg talent and a guy that has made some big kicks in, in prior years. But, you know, obviously there was a consistency issue. And, um, you know, once we had the ability to uh, to acquire Matt Prater in free agency, I thought it was a no-brainer. I mean, there was a, a number of things that, um, you know, were certainly in our favor. Uh, obviously the ability to kick uh, indoors for the most part, the weather. And uh, the fact that uh, Matt Prater's wife was an ex-Cardinal cheerleader. So a lot of things going in our favor and uh, awfully happy he's here now because he's been a huge addition for us. you surprised at his age that he still has that kind of leg strength? Uh, 100%, because the first day that um, that he was here in practice with us, I mean, I've been in the National Football League for 24 years and seen a lot of kickers come and go, but I've never seen a guy that the ball jumps off his foot and makes the sound that it makes when he kicks it. So uh, early on saw the, the, the quick height, the velocity, the power that his leg demonstrates, and um, uh, not only that, the accuracy beyond 50. So uh, felt like he was a guy that, um, if we could get that deal done, could certainly help us win some games in close situations. When you look back on that game Sunday against the Minnesota Vikings and the and the two and zero start, there was a lot to like, obviously, with with the things that worked very well for you, and there was a lot of things to to work on for you. How do you kind of digest a game like that, knowing ultimately you guys came out on the right side of it? Yeah, I mean, I think you're obviously um, uh, appreciative of the win, but a number of things that you take away and things that you can improve upon, which I think that our coaches did a great job dialing into this week. You know, I think the first half, there's no doubt that uh, I don't feel like our front seven played its best football. Um, obviously, that back is a heck of a back, and uh, they came out uh, with with a uh, an aggressive mentality, and Mike Zimmer's a very good coach, and we had no doubt that he would have them ready to play. So um, they came out, they ran the ball on us effectively, and we were able to make the adjustments um, in the second half, but, uh, you know, at that point, you know, there, there was a number of points on the board and um, a number of different things that happened in the game. Uh, obviously, turning the ball over two times was, was a critical uh, issue for us, and, and amazing that, um, you know, the fact that they didn't have any turnovers and we turned the ball over twice, so we were still able to win the game. Yeah, I, I, it's almost like Kyler was kind of a microcosm of what happened within that game. There was a lot to like a lot to like he was the nfc offensive player of the week but you mentioned the interceptions uh there was him running out of bounds when you know trying to to work some time off of the clock is that again just kind of part of the growth curve for a guy like kyler because we can't expect him to be perfect and yet at the same time those were crucial errors that he made in the second half of that game 
Yeah, I mean, I think when you watch some of the best quarterbacks in our league, I think I think they still make some of the same mistakes. I mean, whether it's Russell Wilson or other guys, I mean, I think that, that you know, you play that position long enough, there are a number of things that happen, and it's not uh, the easiest position to play. In fact, I'd probably say it's the opposite. But the things that, that he can do, his ability to extend plays, be able to throw from placement inside, outside of the pocket, and probably the area that I've seen the most growth from him is his ability to manipulate defenses with his eyes. You see him now in the pocket, uh, look off and locate secondary options, manipulate safeties, corners, secondary defenders, which, you know, maybe you didn't see before, which to me, you know, is is just another arsenal of his game that's going to take him to another level. Help us with this. We were debating this yesterday, um, talking about home field advantage, how it doesn't mean as much anymore. There was a time when you guys couldn't win going back east. You couldn't win that early game. and You you tried everything. Do you leave on Friday, Saturday, Sunday? Do you do you do you stay over for a week? It was tough, and we're seeing now this this trend where you know home field advantage is is just not what it used to be. Last year during the pandemic was one thing, but this year it's the same thing. Why is it easier? And let's just take the Cardinals. Why do you think you guys are better at going on the road now than you were you know five years ago? Well, I mean, I think we we put a lot of emphasis into sports science with hydration, taking care of your body. Um, you know, Michael Bidwell has uh, done a great job, in my opinion, of giving the players all the resources that they need um, to, to make sure that they're at the top of their game, whether we're playing at home or on the road, um, to make sure they're comfortable when we travel. I mean, there's a number of things that go into it. And then, you know, obviously, uh, you know, we used to really struggle on the East Coast in different time zones. But, again, I think now that um, not only those things with sports science but when you put together a roster of guys who really care and hold each other accountable that certainly helps steve kime general manager of the cardinals our guest here on the burns and gambo show they're taking on the jacksonville jaguars on sunday morning 10 a.m here on 98.7 fm arizona sports station deandre hopkins comes out great first quarter against the minnesota vikings finds his way into the end zone and then we don't see much of d hop for the rest of the game and yet you guys still nearly 500 yards offense, 30-plus points on the board. Is there a balance that you need to work to achieve when it comes to your wide receivers, or does D-Hop need to get the ball a little bit more than what we saw on Sunday? Well, I mean, I think we'd all uh, like to see the ball go to D-Hop a little more, and that I'm sure it would be the first thing Cliff, Kyler, and D-Hop would say. But at the same time, uh, we all know this is a team sport. And when you have other weapons on the field, like Rondale, like A.J., uh, Max Williams was able to have probably one of his best games as a Cardinal. Um, you, you don't want to take away the opportunities to make big plays downfield because you're trying to force the football. So it's a team sport, and I think that that's a, a good thing about this offensive roster is we have so many guys that can make big plays. And obviously a guy like Christian Kirk as well playing probably um, the best football he's played since he's been here. Yeah, I was that was going to be my follow-up question. That how much has we talked about this a little bit last week the move to the slot how much has that improved just kind of Christian Kirk being able to do naturally what it is that he's good at in a position that he's more natural with I think it's really helped and I think it's also really helped that you know the guy is is a tremendous worker he's a great team guy and and generally guys like that that have a lot of talent get better and better because they're committed to the game they're committed to the process and that's that's exactly what Christian is and to see him having success I'm so happy for him because guys like him and Chase Edmonds and there's a group of guys there's nobody better on the team than those guys in, in terms of work ethic and tangibles the way they carry themselves as pros so really proud of, proud of him and uh, again the consistency that he's playing with and the level of confidence that he's playing with uh, expect a lot of big things out of him this year 
We've seen a lot of guys uh, pop up on the injury injury report this week. What's your level of concern about having a healthy team out there for Sunday? Well, I mean, I think that all teams are, are, are facing the same issues. You know, everybody's got bumps and bruises. Uh, but that's not going to be an excuse for us. You know, who, whoever's healthy, we'll have out there and ready to play at a high level. I think we had a good week of practice, and uh, we'll be ready to go. How, how about the level of concern with a trap game? you got the Rams next week, and, you know, Jacksonville's a team that is really struggling. You guys are 2-0. and oh. I, I think that's the reason why you brought in A.J. Green and J.J. Watt and Rodney Hudson, guys like that, to take care uh, of trap games like this. Yeah. You know, when I, th- when I think people talk about a trap game, I think it's – you know, uh, in my opinion, it's because I'm in the in the uh, in the NFL. It's a sort of disrespectful to the other team. I mean, all NFL teams have uh, you know talent, a level of talent, and any given Sunday can beat you. So I don't think it's a trap game. I think it's a, a team that's got a lot of talent. You know, the quarterback is a guy that I scouted and spent a lot of time with because my offensive line coach from college has been at Clemson for quite some time. And there's no doubt that the kid is a special player and is going to be a special player in this league. I mean, he's extremely talented uh, and he's got all the skills and he's a tremendous worker uh, and has great mental makeup. So if we let our guard down and, and we don't play at a high level, they'll beat us. Steve Kime, general manager of the Cardinals, our guest here on the Burns and Gamble Show. Take me back to those first few games of Kyler Murray in a Cardinals uniform and kind of comp it to what's going on with the Jags right now with Trevor Lawrence, a, a number one pick, you know, a starter right out of the shoot. As a general manager, as a talent evaluator, what are you watching for in those first few games of a rookie who was the number one pick starting quarterback right out of the shoot like Kyler was and like Trevor is now? I think honestly, it's as simple as just managing the game. When I say manage a game, you know, I used to always ask guys like Tom Moore and Bruce Arians, what's the hardest thing for a young quarterback to do? And their answer was always to regurgitate the play in the huddle. And as crazy as that sounds, it's the truth. I mean, to to be able to call out the huddle, to look all these older players and veterans in the eye, uh, and give them the confidence. And then while you do that, oh, by the way, you got to look at the play clock. You got to look at the defense. It's making a ton of adjustments. People mess with your head. Uh, you have to make quick decisions. Oh, and by the way, when you throw the ball, you have to fit it in about a four by four inch square inch window. So. You know, there's only so many guys on this earth that can do that and that can do it at a high level. That's why supply and demand is such an issue. I think Rondell Moore may end up being one of your best draft picks. Uh, Look, he was the the talk of camp. A lot of people were raving about how well he looked. But I'll ask you, are are you any what surprised by his amazing start to the season? Well, you know, I think that any time that a young kid um, comes out and and has that type of success, it's it's exciting. Um, but but he, you know, he was the kind of guy that again, um, when you envisioned him in this offense and the way we could use him, whether it was with, you know, getting the ball in his hands quickly with screens, reverses, uh, different types of plays like that, uh, and then you add in his ability to create separation and t- take the top off down the field, you know, we did feel like he could come in and and um, and help us early. Uh, the one thing I'd probably say that um, has surprised a number of people is his ball skills, his ability to set up routes. He's extremely intelligent for a young player, uh, has great football instincts. So, you know, he's a guy that, um, you know, again, just sort of overcomes his height. And I'm not saying he's he's Tyreek Hill. I'm not saying he's Steve Smith. But he has some of the things that those guys do 
that compensate for being, you know, five seven seven, which is almost five eight, um, to be able to have the compensating ability to either play inside outside. Um, and and there's no doubt in my mind that that he can be uh, an extremely productive player in this league. Steve, we appreciate the time as always. Good luck this weekend. We'll talk to you next Friday. Thanks, man. Talk to you soon. Steve Keim here on the Burns and Gambo Show, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Do you want to remind you, you can join Bud Light, the official beer of the Arizona Cardinals, for a Red Sea Road Rally this Sunday. Phillies Sports Grill on Warner in Tempe. Kickoff is at 10 a.m. We will be there. They will be there with food, specials, football prizes throughout the event. Head to the events page at ArizonaSports.com for more details. When we come back, you can say a lot of things. Don't call it a trap game, at least not for Steve Kime. That's next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Somebody else not buying the trap game line, and that would be Steve Kime, who was on with us just a moment ago. It's sort of disrespectful to the other team. I mean, all NFL teams have uh, you know talent, a level of talent, and any given Sunday can beat you. That has been the common theme, Gambo, as we wrapped up our interview with Steve Kime a minute ago. That has been the common theme coming out of the Cardinals yeah. all week long. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't want it any other way, would you? Nope, not one bit. I mean, this is, you know, I, you know, again, the only thing I could say is that there are, there are a couple teams in this league and only a couple that, that, that might, be able to get, might be able to get away with overlooking a team like Jacksonville. Just a few, okay? I mean, the Cardinals are not one of those teams. No. They're not one of those teams. They haven't accomplished anything. They haven't done anything yet. I mean, they haven't made the playoffs in what five, six years now. So I'm not, you know, I'm not going to buy that. Um, and I also think that, you know, if you want to get to where the Cardinals want to get to, this is very much about winning games that you're supposed to win. And there's not a ton of games on. Like they have to beat Jacksonville, and they have to beat Houston, and mm-hmm. you know, they have to beat was it Detroit? They play like. Yep. There are certain games like the, the best teams in this league don't lose to teams like that. So if you want to take that next step and be a real contending team, you've got to, you know, yeah, you listen, you may lose to the Rams. You know, you may lose to the 49ers in a game. You, you might lose to the Cleveland Browns, but you can't lose to Jacksonville or, yeah. or, or Houston uh, or Detroit. Those games you have to win. Yeah, we've been talking about it really since Monday, I think, was the first time we brought it up. We just kind of stumbled into this. You know, I, 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 we understand what is actually a must-win game and what isn't a must-win game. But this, this is a must-win game for the Arizona Cardinals. Not in the sense that their season is over if they lose it or if they're 2-1 instead of 3-0. and oh, oh, that's it. Forget it. They're not going to make the playoffs. But for exactly the reasons that you just said a second ago, it's a must-win game because if you look at their entire remaining schedule, the bulk of the schedule for 2021, they have got, and you named all three of them, Three games where, without question, the Cardinals are playing inferior opposition that they should beat. Now, how they win those games, I don't care. You don't care. I know some people think, 45% of our audience thinks that they should blow out Jacksonville. I don't care if they do or if they don't. This is a must-win game in the sense that you are going to need to bank as many wins as possible to give yourself a leg up in the ultra-uber-competitive NFC West and this is one of those opportunities to do it against a team that is really reeling right now. Might be the worst team in the NFL. How you beat them, don't care. Just beat them because in that regard to me, it's very much a must-win scenario for the Cardinals on Sunday. Yeah, yeah. And listen, you know, you don't want to get to the end of the season. You missed the game by a playoffs and you and you screwed up against the team that you should have beat. You, you exactly. should have beat. 
Exactly. You know, you ought to, you know that that comes back to haunt you. And the other thing is, you know, you you know you, you we talk about the trap game with the Rams. Look, the, after this is a brutal stretch. So it's not just the trap game with the Rams. It's like, hey, no, we, you know, the Cardinals could start three and zero, but nobody's going to be expecting them to be six and zero. I mean, that that schedule is pretty brutal after this week. It's the Rams. It's the Forty ers It's the Browns. Bang, bang, bang. And then I think you get a break with the Texans in Week Four. Uh, of that four-game stretch, of that four-week stretch. But, yeah, the next three after this one, it's it's really, really tough. A couple other things from Steve. Uh, we asked him the question and something else we've been talking about all week long about DeAndre Hopkins and whether he needs more targets than the other guys. Here's what Steve said about that. When you have other weapons on the field like Rondale, like A.J., uh, Max Williams was able to have probably one of his best games as a Cardinal. Um, you, you don't want to take away the opportunities to make big plays downfield because you're trying to force the football. Yeah, I thought Steve answered that question very cautiously, you know, because I, there there is a really fine line between DeAndre Hopkins getting, you know, the balance that you want offensively, but also understanding that DeAndre Hopkins is one of the very best players you have on this roster, and you want to see him with the ball in his hands as much as you possibly can. Yeah, I think we've heard from a lot of people talking about that this week. You know, what, what did Cliff say? It's that that's on me. That's on me. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta make sure I get him the ball. That type of thing. Yep. So you know, you've got a premier wide receiver, and it's important to keep that guy happy. And I understand that you know there's going to be games in which. You know, Hopkins can carry this team, and there'll be games where, you know, they're going to have to rely on other guys. But they went away from them from three quarters last week. They still won the football game. If they would have lost, maybe it's a different story, but they won. So we didn't hear much of it. But I, I don't expect – if Hopkins plays this week, and one of the things we continue to say is that he finds a way to play. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he always finds a way to play. Then, you know, I, I think Cliff will make an emphasis on making sure that he gets the ball. Texas, your thoughts on the state of the Arizona Cardinals going into this Jags game? The fan duel text line available to you right now at 620-620. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, if the Jags are to be successful on Sunday, they got to be keyed in on one guy. Everybody knows who that one guy is. We'll talk Kyler next on the Burns and Gambo show. John Gambadero, Dave Burns, live from the Octane Community Studios on this Football Friday here on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station. Thank you, as always, for hanging out with us. No matter how many previews for this game that you read coming up on Sunday between the Cards and the Jags, it almost all seems to circle back to one thing, and not to totally overgeneralize it. I know you read a bunch. I read a bunch about this. You've talked to a bunch of people. It all seems to come down to this idea that the Jacksonville Jaguars are just not equipped to deal with Kyler Murray, that they're just they're not they're not going to be able to handle him, and the fact that the two quarterbacks they've played already are yeah. what Tyrod Taylor, Taylor and, and Teddy Bridgewater, Teddy Bridgewater, and yep. and they're zero and two, and their defense has already given up like six hundred and something yards in those two games against Four those two guys. Touchdowns, mm-hmm. no turnovers forced. I mean. I mean, this could, like a lot of people are going to predict a big game for Kyler throwing the football, running the running, and putting up those numbers again. The Jags have lost 17 straight games. With a loss here, they would tie the 72-73 Houston Oilers, the fifth longest losing streak in NFL history. So this would be tied for the fifth longest losing streak, you know, if the Cardinals beat them. But, yeah, I think, you know, that's a point, right? They Tyrod Taylor and Teddy Bridgewater. That's not Kyler Murray. It's different. Kyler Murray's a different level. 
So this isn't a great matchup for them. I mean, if you're the Jaguars, you're trying to get right. This isn't the game that you look at. Oh, this, you know, this is the this is the game to do it. But you'll, you know, they're looking at everything. They're they're looking at how they could win this game and how they could pull this out. But a lot of it is going to be they're going to start with, you know, how do you, you know, all eyes on Kyler Murray. You know, how do you prevent Kyler Murray from, um, you know, making sure that he doesn't run ransack over you? There was a comment by Miles Jack. Yesterday, he said, everyone says contain the quarterback. You can't contain somebody like that, hmm, right. he said. He's super fast, super agile. The main thing in the back end is to make sure we're con- covering downfield. They had big plays where receivers got loose, and they turned them into points. All four wide receiver positions they can go to. They spread things out. They let Kyler find people and run around. It should be fun, the type of game you live for. So when they, when you say contain Kyler, I mean Miles Jackson, you don't contain that guy. Yeah. Like let's make sure that Ronald uh, you know, Rondell Moore doesn't get loose downfield for a big play, or Christian Kirk doesn't get loose downfield for a big play. We got to stop that, and Kyler's going to get his, and we just got to deal with that. Yeah, you uh, you sent this story along in our email thread today, and it, it's also in addition to the quotes from Miles Jack, it's got this quote from defensive coordinator Joe Cullen who I believe is a first-time D.C. He was the defensive line coach at Baltimore. He had to deal with Lamar Jackson uh, in practice and, and all you know what he was practicing up against him every single day as the defensive line coach. He was asked about his experience with that, and he said, quote, I don't know how much help that gives us, to be honest with you. Guys like that, like Kyler, are a rare breed, elusive with their legs and can throw the ball. Kyler and Lamar have great arms, not only strength, but accuracy when they throw on the run. Um, so it doesn't... It's not going to give them a lot of experience just because they've got a defensive coordinator who used to go up against Lamar Jackson every single day in practice. Until you've seen it, until you have to deal with it, it's it's hard to know how to do it. And I think the other thing really hurting Jacksonville on this one, too, is, and we haven't really done this yet, but looking at their injury situation, cornerback C.J. Henderson, game-time decision, questionable going into the game. Cornerback Trey Herndon, questionable going into the game, game time a decision. Uh, this could mean that Tyson Campbell, the rookie, and, and I know, look, we got a rookie quarterback we're dealing with here in Arizona too and Marco Wilson, and he's holding his own okay, but a rookie cornerback having to deal with that all day long is a potential recipe for absolute disaster for Jacksonville when you talk about Kyler, who seemingly has hit another gear with how he's played these first couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, I, I hate the early MVP talk. Um, yeah, I know you do. But- I do hate it, um, but that's you know that that's that's a testament to how well he's done. I mean, one of the things I was looking at: bold prediction, Murray's going to throw for 450 yards, three touchdowns, and run for another 100 yards and a touchdown. I saw, like, I saw that in your email. I had to laugh. Was, it reminded me of the bold. Remember from week one, yeah, the, the, the bold prediction bold from the Tennessee Titans, and it was going to be like, oh yeah, Julio Jones and and AJ Brown, they're going to combine for like 250 yards and three touchdowns, and Derrick Henry's going to have 150 yards, and Ryan Tannehill's going to be perfect. Those bold predictions about the Cardinals, man, it, it almost made me nervous reading those because it was exactly like the same bold predictions that same website made about the Titans going into that week one game, and the Cardinals disproved every single one of them, for yeah. goodness sakes. You know, sometimes, like, you know, one of the things they keep talking about with the Jags is turnovers would help. They've yet to force one this season. They're not coming up with the big plays defensively. You know, for them, they, I mean, there's no way they don't they, they win they don't they, they can't win this game unless they get some because that could change the whole game too. You know, like if they get they force a couple of fumbles and they get an interception, all of a sudden, you know, you take three possessions away from the Cardinals in which they might have come away with points, and 
you turn them into points for you. For Jacksonville, they want short fields. You know, you get a turnover in Cardinals territory. Now you've only got to go 30 yards or 40 yards. I mean, that's that's going to be what they need to win this game. Whether they get it or not is a different story. Murray kind of looked pissed off when he turned the ball over. Yeah, I mean, he, he did. <laughs> extremely upset um, with those turnovers. Now they're going to come. You take those shots down the field. Jacksonville's pretty good at stopping the run, but they're not very good in pass defense. They've been a terrible in pass defense. Yeah, I- I'm I'm looking at Kyler, and I'm wondering, and, and here's Steve Keim talking today about Kyler Murray and how his abilities have taken him to the next the level. things that, that he can do, his ability to extend plays, be able to throw from placement inside, outside of the pocket, and probably the area that I've seen the most growth from him is his ability to manipulate defenses with his eyes. You see him now in the pocket uh, look off and locate secondary options, manipulate safeties, corners, secondary defenders, which you know maybe you didn't see before, which to me you know is, is just another arsenal of his game that's going to take him to another level. It's something we never really had a chance to talk about this week, but I know it, it kept showing up on our show sheet and we never just got around to it was Kyler Murray against the Blitz so far this season, where he, he his numbers when they're sending extra guys, and of course our minds immediately turn to the cover zero when he finds Christian Kirk, the cover zero against the Titans, and he finds Christian Kirk in the end zone. But Kyler, it seems like at least early on the season, has gotten to this point where you know blitz him at your own risk because he's very good at recognizing it, along with getting some help from Rodney Hudson, recognizing it, passing out of it, and dealing with it as quickly as he can. He's gotten very good at that. Yeah, uh, Carson Palmer was on the, the station earlier this week, I think, with uh, Luke and Wolf, and you know he talked about you know do you like to get blitzed? Yeah, there are times you want to get blitzed. You want to get blitzed. And when you when you see the field the right way and you know you know what you're seeing, you you welcome the blitz because that's that lets less guys out there in coverage and you know, you're gonna recognize that something's open. Now Rodney Hudson's been huge in helping Kyler, but Kyler's been you know, Kyler you know, that shows Kyler's maturity, that Kyler's working and understanding what he's seeing and, and looking at film and you know, and, that, and that's been a good sign so far is that when you blitz Kyler, like that one big play to Kirk was on a, on a zero blitz, right? right? only had four guys in coverage. Seven guys came towards Kyler, and he completed that big pass down the field to Kirk. So, you know, the, the key is recognizing what you're seeing. And if you know beforehand that they're coming with the house, then you've got every advantage in the world to beat that. One thing seems very clear through at least just two games, and maybe nothing can seem clear about anything through just two games in the NFL. But it does seem like Kyler Murray has turned some kind of a corner. I, I'm, I'm looking at his his season last year when the Cardinals got off to that 6-3 and three start after they beat the Buffalo Bills. Kyler Murray, through the first nine games of the season last year, was completing 68% of his passes. He was averaging about 264 yards passing per game. He had 17 touchdowns on the season. He had eight interceptions on the season. He had a quarterback rating of about 98.2, which is very good. And, of course, he was running the ball very well, about 10 times per game for about 67 yards, and he even had um, a couple of touchdowns rushing there too. Do you think he's turned a corner from last year? Do you think he's taken his game next level even beyond when he was playing well before he got hurt in that Seattle game? I think so. I mean, it's it, we're two games in. Right, right. I'd like more of a sample size. This is a shorter sample size. But, I mean, every indication is that, yes, that he's turned that corner, that he's, that he's recognizing things, and that, um, you know, he, he's a different player than he was, you know, last year at the end of the season. Yeah, it, it certainly with what Steve said, 
his ability to recognize what's going on around him. There's it's been everything. A, it's been a massive it's, it's leap everything. this season. It is. It is it's, everything. Uh, yeah, you don't want, you know, last year there was very much focus on one receiver, one-on-one coverage. You can read it. You don't got to worry about reading defenses. You don't have to worry about a safety coming up. You don't have to worry about a linebacker taking a guy across in the middle. You don't have to worry about a cornerback or a nickel back on the other side. You know, it was very much DeAndre Hopkins one-on-one on the outside and make the read and make the throw and let him beat his guy. And now it's very much, you know, you you had a spread. Was it last week? You had, you had or. I think it was. I was thinking it was this week. You had a spread chart on everywhere that Murray's throwing the ball. Yeah, and I mean, it almost like it looks like a baseball hitter that that is hitting it to left, center, and right. You know, left, left, center, center, right, right, center. I mean, he's spreading the ball everywhere. And I don't know that that was the case last year. I think he focused in one, more in one area last year. With this year, forget about the balanced offense we've talked about. The way he's spreading the ball around is very indicative of his ability to read defense. So it's not just the Cardinals game against Jacksonville. In fact, if you look at the NFL schedule as a whole this weekend, it's a big weekend for the NFC West. How big? We'll tell you next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Yesterday during the commercial break, Gambo and I were just making small talk, and it was one of those, what are you doing this weekend? What are you doing this weekend kind of things? And uh, I said, I, well, I know what I'm doing Sunday. On Sunday, it's Cards Jags at 10. It's Rams Bucks at 1. It's Niners Packers at 520 on NBC for Sunday Night Football. I mean, if you were to look at the NFL schedule for week three, there are decent games, but it's pretty obvious that outside of our local interest in the Cardinals, that the two premier games this weekend are involving NFC West rivals. And I'm not even counting Seattle's trip to Minnesota, which is the Vikings' first home game since you know crowds are allowed back in. So they're, they're expecting a jam-packed house there in a real loud environment at one of the best stadiums in the NFL. I, I think the NFC West kind of has kind of has the NFL in its grasp this weekend if you're talking about the very best games in the NFL. Yeah, and this is a golden opportunity, right, for the Cardinals to not create distance yet, but get get over on some of these. Yes. 49ers, Packers, I mean, we remember not too long ago when uh, the, the 49ers beat them in the NFC Championship game. Uh, this is the fourth game in a row. The Packers are going to be in a road against the 49ers. The four, Shanahan's 2-2 two and two against the Packers. He he beat him in 2019 twice, two years ago, Week 12, any NFC Championship game. Rodgers has played really well against San Fran. Uh, nine touchdowns and two interceptions. Been sacked 12 times, though, against that defense. But you kind of look at that game and say, okay, I can see the Packers winning that game. Um, you, you, look at, uh, you look at Seattle and, and you look at the Rams and you try to figure out, okay, let's start with the Rams. The Rams got the box. You know, that's... You know, and I was reading something about, hey, the Rams didn't necessarily give up two first-round picks So, uh, for Matthew Stafford to win regular season games. They got him to win playoff games. But this this is a big test for them to see if they're capable of knocking off the big bad bucks. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and if they do, a lot of people are going to look at them as the favorites to, to get to the Super Bowl out of the NFC. And then there's the Seahawks game. And we'll, we'll circle back to those other two in a minute. Let's, let's start kind of this conversation about the NFC West with the Seahawks. Uh, they're in Minnesota taking on the Vikings. Of course, we all know what happened to both the Vikings and the Seahawks last weekend. The Cardinals survived Minnesota, survived Dalvin Cook. The Seattle Seahawks did not survive Derrick Henry. They were up 24-9 to 
in that game and found a way to lose because Derrick Henry absolutely mauled them in the second half of the game. And much like the Cardinals had to go right from Derrick Henry to Dalvin Cook, the Seahawks have to go right from Derrick Henry to Dalvin Cook. But kind of the in the secret sauce to all of this is Russell Wilson's record. He's 7-0 and against Minnesota, second best by any active quarterback against any one opponent. So this is a matchup – Kind of been a matchup nightmare somewhat for the Vikings the last few years. And they've played a lot, too, over the last few years. Yeah, Minnesota can score. They can't stop anybody. And I, I think Seattle is very much similar. They could score, but I don't know if they could stop anybody. Titans had uh, their way with them later in that game, and they were able to score a whole bunch of times. I would probably pick Minnesota if I knew Dalvin Cook was healthy, but I don't, so I won't. But I would not be afraid to pick the Vikings over Seattle. You know I'm down on Seattle this year. I do. I'm down on them. And if I knew Dalvin Cook was 100%, I, I, would, take, I would take the Vikings to win that game and not be 0-3. The problem is that, you know, the Vikings is, you know, they, man, they're scoring 28.5 points a game, but they're giving up like 30 a game. They've had two close losses. What, by like four points or something? They've had, you know, two really close losses, and, they start 0-3, and then, you know, that, that's that's almost like your season's over when you start 0-3. Yeah. I think, and in Seattle, this is interesting, Seattle is playing a, a Cardinals victim, second straight game. Cardinals beat Tennessee, and then Seattle played them. Cardinals beat the Vikings, and now Seattle plays them. So that's a kind of interesting nugget there. But I, I so this is one of those games, if Cook was healthy, man, I, I, I feel good about Minnesota being able to beat Seattle. Yeah, this is this to me is... If Seattle falls to two and two, I, I think they put themselves not at a real disadvantage in this division. They can recover from that, but I think they're going to be at a disadvantage if they drop their second straight game. And I do agree with you that Minnesota, man, if they fall to zero and three, that's just about that. I mean, they're they're going to have a hard time. About, we we saw we were looking at the percentages a week ago. If you start zero and two, one and one, two and zero, I don't know what the percentage are. If you start zero and three. I can't imagine they're very good. I think they play with a real level of desperation and inspiration being at home. Dalvin Cook's injury status is absolutely something to watch, and I'm really not sure what that's going to be like. But I wouldn't be surprised either if Minnesota wins this game. I know earlier I was in the week I thought, ah, Seattle's probably going to win. I admit Minnesota's going to be desperate, desperate, desperate to win this game. Whereas the Rams, and you kind of alluded to this earlier, maybe aren't going to be I mean, you want to win every game you play, obviously. You try to win every game you play. But for the Rams, they're, they just want to get in, and they feel like they've got enough talent as long as they're healthy to win when they get there. They did not pick up Matthew Stafford, as you pointed out, because they want to beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Week 3. They'd like to, but that's not why he's there. He's there to win a Super Bowl, and you don't win one of those in September. No, there's one weakness right now with, 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 with Tampa that you're looking at and you're saying, okay, can – can they exploit this? Their defense has given up the third most passing yards in the NFL through two weeks. Opposing quarterbacks are averaging, get this, 342 yards per game. Now, they've also faced, uh, you know, the most pass attempts, the six most pass attempts, but still, nonetheless, 342 yards per game for opposing quarterbacks. That might bode well for Matthew Stafford uh, and the Rams. I'd like to see the Rams get knocked down a peg. Um, as much as I hate Tom Brady, I think it's better for the you know for the Rams to win this game and uh, show, you know not for the Rams for the Bucks to win this game and for the Rams to take a loss because you know ultimately 
at this point, you know, your goal isn't just to get to the playoffs. Your goal would be to try to win this division and get a home field game. That would be your goal. So, and as you look at the schedule, this this is where you kind of say, oh, this is where the Rams are going to lose. This, this is where the 49ers are going to lose. So you're hoping that these if they win these games, God, I, don't, I, I mean, if the Rams win and the Cardinals win and Seattle wins and the 49ers win, man, the NFC West is going to be the number one topic, topic in the NFL on Monday. Yeah, and just real quick on the Packers 49ers, I was looking at the ESPN.com preview of this game, their bold prediction, and this is from the Packers beat writer. Bold prediction for the game. Brandon Ayuk will finally have a big day. Don't be surprised to see him catch at least five passes for 70 yards and a score. He has been, now Kyle Shanahan's denied it, but it certainly seems like the former ASU wide receiver has been in some kind of a doghouse performance, What I mean, whatever it is, there is some reason that they just don't trust Brandon Ayuk right now. I don't know. I wonder if we see that breakout come Sunday night against Green Bay. Former uh, former 49er Steve Young was even questioning what's going on. Why can't we know what's going on? This guy's a tremendous weapon with speed. He's shown great things. Last year when he was a rookie, Brandon Ayuk was targeted eight times per game. Never played less than 71% of the 49ers' offensive snaps. So far, through two games, you're seeing a guy, he was targeted once in the opener and twice in week two. He's been targeted three times in two games. Yeah. And he was on the field for just 47% of the play in week one and 54% last week. He's averaging 50% of the snaps compared to last year, 71%, and he's not being targeted. I don't I don't know what's going on either. This, I mean, he had a really good rookie season. He had 60 catches for 748 yards. He was really good. And for some reason, they, they haven't used him in the first two weeks. When we come back, one of the biggest goals for any NFL team, stay healthy. Over 17 weeks. It's impossible to do, but you try. What kind of challenges will the Cardinals face if a chunk of their guys can't go on Sunday? We'll talk about that next on the Burns and Gambo Show.